live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Boom, boom, boom. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. To the east, they look to the west. The third world wonders which way's the best. We got freedom, we got soul. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. This is Jeff Wagner. It is great to be back. Okay, so Melissa Barkley, we're, we're on this, this trip. Um, I'll tell everybody a couple minutes. It's a river cruise. 50-plus WTMJ listeners had a great time. There's interesting stories, including my leadoff topic coming mm. up in just a couple minutes. My wife says, people will think you are a terrible person. You can't tell this story. Well, I'm telling it anyways. But I will tell you, you know, that's better in the USA. One of the one of the most moving, had a couple moving experiences on, on, on this trip. Um, we started off in Amsterdam, and I saw the Anne Frank house. Oh, yeah. Oh, my was gosh. That? Oh. I mean, it just, in, in, I mean, it's words, it's impossible to describe. Undescribable. You know, yeah. and um, just, just how, like, a family could live there for a couple years i mean it's just it's moving and then you sit there and you wonder how how could one group of people do that to another group of people was it on your bucket list when you went there well yeah i mean definitely i want to mm-hmm. see it in amsterdam I loved amsterdam by the way but one of the most moving experiences and this is true um towards the end of the trip we are in strasbourg and strasbourg is um it's it's uh right it's it's you know France and Germany and it's it's very it's got a French feeling to it and we we do the walking tour of, of Strasbourg and we find um, I was with Fran and a couple of our friends Mike and Kathy we find this this bistro and and we go down we sit in in for lunch and we have it was it was a great just an absolutely great lunch and as we're walking out we the the owner and he's he's got to be gosh. 70s, maybe 80s. Mm-hmm. And he's there with his wife. They're in the front. And we go up and we thank them. We see how much we enjoyed the lunch and what a great place it was. And he, recognizing us as American, starts to talk. And he starts telling us about how his mother and his grandmother, th- this was occupied, this was Nazi occupied territory. His mother and his grandmother, and when he was, I, I think, a little boy, he was, you know, it, it was, the, the town was occupied by the Nazis, mm-hmm. and the Americans liberated them, and he's telling us, I mean, he's, he's shaking our hands Aww. and thanking us, and he says, you know, Americans are always welcome here, and I just love Americans, and he's hugging us. <laughs> it, no, it, but it That's was so great. Well, it was great because I think there is this impression sometimes that we are are hated all across the world well i mean no i mean this was this guy remembered you know it it was you know they would have been not it was nazi you know occupation and it was the americans the freedom how cool was that i've heard stories like that before where people go over there and you know it's not what like what you hear in germany especially it, it was just amazing one of the other cool stories one of the guys who was on the trip his father 
was with with Pat. We, this was a cruise down the Rhine. His father was with Patton's Third Army. Wow. And they crossed the Rhine River in, I guess, 1944 or whatever, 45, whenever they crossed. And he asked the captain, it's marked, where Patton's Third Army crossed is marked. There's like American flags and there's a monument. We hit that like at 1130 at night. The captain stopped the boat in the middle of, of the Rhine River and they flashed a spotlight on the monument that shows where Patton crossed and the the guy and some of his friends, everybody toasted the guy's dad. It was just... Oh, that's emotional. That's it, like it something was. out of a movie you wouldn't expect, I guess, when you go there. But. It, you, you wouldn't. But it was Ooh. it was just stories like that. And it's one of the reasons why I just in, I, I just love love travel and and how broadening it is and, and we just had we just had an absolutely wonderful time started in Amsterdam and then eight days on the Rhine which okay I'm, I'm starting to get into why I was not here yesterday and <laughs> and and the stories well I mean the background is by the way I am okay but I took as I was describing I took a really bad fall on Friday on the boat I'm I'm <laughs> I hadn't even been drinking I'm going up these steps to deliver wine to my wife and my friend Lori and the, they were lowering this thing right above the stairs Staircase hits me on the head. I go down. I fall down like six flights, of, six stairs. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And I have. I showed you that that, that monster bruise. bruise. I, I have five or six of those on my body. So is that bruise looking better, or is that at its, its peak? Kind, it's kind of at its bad. It's, it's getting worse. But Ooh, I mean, it's bad. but yeah. It's, but it's but I actually you know I didn't break anything. Didn't break my neck. Didn't well, break. Well, you're it. a fairly tall guy, so when you fall, <laughs> I went, you really fall. I, yeah, I boom, 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 yeah. and um, but it, it's. But it's okay. We, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'll go see a doctor in a couple of days. I'm I guess. I'm really but glad I, you didn't break anything because that's that's the biggest fear right. I think for people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially you know. But so, but that's okay. So everybody was was cautious about that. But but here is here is the story which leads into the topic that we start the program off with. Okay, so we were supposed to be back Sunday night. Now where I was is seven hours ahead of where we are here. I was supposed to be back on on Sunday night. Now the deal is. You're out of your room at at eight thirty in the morning. Um, our transfer to the airport didn't occur till eleven thirty. So you're out of the room. You're sitting in the lounge and stuff, having coffee. That's fine. We were flying from Basel, Switzerland, to Frankfurt. Frankfurt is a very, very large airport. I mean, think O'Hare or something like that. And then it was supposed to be Frankfurt to Chicago, and then a bus back here. So that's the deal. So we leave our, our ship on time. Get to the Basel Airport. The flight was supposed to go at two fifteen. It's a forty-five minute flight to Frankfurt. So okay, every, everything's fine. We get there. Everybody gets, gets through passport control. Everything's good. And we're sitting there. The plane is there. It's a perfect day. All right. So again, the flight's supposed to leave at two fifteen. It gets in at three. That gives you two and hours and fifteen minutes to transfer in Frankfurt. Maybe a tad tight, but no real problem. Plane is there. Everything's good. Well, all right. Supposed to board at one forty-five. We don't board. Supposed to board at two. Don't board. Supposed to board at two fifteen. Don't board. It keeps going on. Apparently, what happened? And in Europe, not that we fool, not that we take airport security lightly here, but in Europe, they've got no sense of humor at all. What happened is some idiot had left their baggage, their bag on the baggage carousel, and it had been going around and around and around. And their policy is, they shut down the airport. One bag. One unattended bag, because they're afraid it's a bomb. They do a complete halt on the airport. Nothing coming in, nothing going out. So the people who were on our flight 
um, the, on the plane that came in. They weren't allowed to get off the plane. So they sat on that plane for like an hour and a half. We're waiting to get on the plane. End of the story. Ultimately, we don't leave till 4 o'clock. Now, we've got a 5.15 flight out of Frankfurt. We get into the Frankfurt airport at 4.45, and our tour director, Elizabeth, who was wonderful, she takes off. We got Now, we started with 50-plus people on the tour. We're, we're down to like 40 now, the Frankfurt 40. I go tearing after her, and I'm like O.J. Simpson sort of in the old uh, Hertz commercials. I'm running through the airport. Elizabeth is running through the airport. We go through passport control, and again, in Frankfurt, they have no sense of humor about this. I, like, throw the guy my passport and says, we're trying to catch the, the plane. So we're running, and it's a huge airport, and we're going from one end to the other, and, and we're both, like, sprinting. People are behind us, moving as fast as they can, um, and we get to the gate about... 510, supposed to leave at 515. They are closing the gate. Now, we got 40 people in this group, which is a good chunk of this this plane. And it was Lufthansa. You'd think that they'd hold it. They closed the gate. They said, you're out of luck. Okay, we're out of luck. So what they did is, then we have to schlep all the way back. They reissued us tickets for yesterday morning. They put us up at something called the Inner City Hotel. And we, we spent, but we don't have our bags. So you're in the clothes you wore and whatever you got with you. That, that's, that's all you have, okay? And I didn't have any spare sets of clothes or anything. It, you're, so we spent the night um, in the inner city hotel in Frankfurt, got back to the airport the next morning, and the flight left at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's, an, it's a nine-hour flight, and finally got back ultimately last night at 6 o'clock. I will say this. Everybody in our group was wonderful. Just absolutely wonderful. They are my brothers and sisters of travel. I will travel with them any time. Now, interestingly, Gru, um, because there, there, there was like no travel store in the inner city hotel or anything like that, you're in the same clothes. There's really no chance to get things like deodorant or shampoo or things like that. And I, I fully admit, by the time I got back in my house at 6 o'clock last night, having worn the same clothes for like two days and been through all this, I was, what was the word, gamey. Yes, gamey would exactly be the word. I walked into the house, pet the dog, grabbed a beer, took off my clothes, and jumped into the shower. And it felt very, very good. All right, so so here's, here is where we lead off with our story. My wife says, you will think I'm an awful person. I hope not. So here's here's the deal. We are sitting in the boarding area um, to take the flight back yesterday. And as I've described, I'm really sore. I mean, I'm okay. I'm walking okay. I'm not limping. But I'm really, really sore. They And we're in economy class, and that's fine. They announced that you can upgrade from economy to business class for 450 euros. So that's like over 500 bucks. And I look at, I look at my wife, and I say, you want to do this? And she says, I will kill you if you spend $1,000 just so you can sit in a little bit better seat. Then she says, if you want to do it, you do it, but I'll stay back and coach. Well, Gru, you're not married yet, but let me take it, tell us on that one. That's a, Never do that because, you know, if I leave her back and coach and I go to that, I go to, you know, a business class, I will never, ever hear the end of it. And she's like, we, we, can't, we will not. It's stupid to spend $1,000 to do this. All right, so we do not do this. So we get in the back and coach, and the Frankfurt 40, all my fellow travelers will attest, they're all there. We're in row 38, crammed into economy class. Behind us in row 39 are a couple. They have a three-year-old kid who is sick. I mean sick. The kid spent nine hours coughing up a lung. Cough, cough, cough. The kid, who is uncomfortable, is screaming. And I don't mean crying. I mean screaming. And she can't, the parents are aware of this. They can't stop her. 
I mean, they're, they're trying, stop it, stop it, stop it. When she's not screaming, she's kicking the back of my wife's chair. And I swear, I've got witnesses to this. It went on for nine hours. So we are trapped in this flying tin can with an out-of-control toddler. And the parents, and again, I mean, they just don't know what to do about this. But everybody else, you, you mean, if you want to try to sleep, no way, because the kid is screaming. And, I mean, Fran's back of her chair was taking the worst of this. And, and the parents are aware of this. And, and my wife, because she is this wonderful human being, she's like, I feel so sorry for them. And I'm like, what do you mean you feel sorry for them? What about all the rest of us? And what about you? The kids kicking the chair. Oh, I feel sorry, so sorry for them. And I'm like, I feel sorry for me, and I feel sorry for the other 200 of us that are stuck back in steerage that are dealing with this for nine hours, which is where we, we come to the conversation. She says, well, you shouldn't talk about this on the radio, because what are these parents supposed to do? To which I say, well, a couple things. First of all, I'm not sure it's ever appropriate to take a three-year-old kid on a... And by by the way, they had a connecting flight out of Chicago. They were going to get on another plane going to Cincinnati. I said, this child, I think, is just, period, too young to travel under any circumstances because I'm cranky after nine hours. All right, so that's number one. Much less traveling when the child is sick. Number two, I am now pounding all this vitamin C. I took like 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C yesterday and today because, you know, I, I just, you know, you're, you're behind this kid's coughing. And I said, number three, I mean, if you've got something like this going on, I would suggest that you, you, you medicate the kid somehow. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, giving them Valium or stuff like that, but they, they gave the kid nothing. They had nothing with them. Benadryl, something to calm the kid down and help the kid to sleep. I said, I would have done any of those things because, candidly, I think all the rest of us, you know, have the right not to have this screaming child kicking the back of your chair for nine hours. And, and yes, I do hold the parents somewhat responsible. She said, well, people are going to think you're a terrible person for saying that. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I made a huge mistake. Huge mistake in not spending the $1,000 to upgrade to the better spot under the circumstances. But, I mean, let's let's tee this up. Do the people crammed in economy class for a nine-hour flight or a three-hour flight or a four-hour flight, I mean, do you have a right to say, okay, you know, first of all, do you have a right to blame these parents? And they seemed like nice enough people and all. But, you know, if your kid, if you cannot control your child, should your child be on that airplane? And at the very least, I understand the kid is sick, but you know, shouldn't you have some medication? Knock the, give them Benadryl, give them something that's going to calm them down. Heck, I'm bruised. I'm taking a leave. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's tee this up. Are you a terrible person if you object to the screaming, out of control, shrieking? And I am saying shrieking, toddler. For eight hours, nine hours on a flight, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back with your calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. I'd upgrade to New York in a New York minute. My wife could threaten divorce, but nine-hour flight from hell could have been much easier than a few dollars. Give the kid a value. Yeah, that that, that was my point. I, I, again, and it's... 
I mean, I do think you have some responsibility as a parent. If you're going to get on a plane with a three-year-old toddler who's sick and out of control, you got to have a plan B, and maybe that plan B is Benadryl or something like that. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike in Heartland. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I think the stewardesses or flight attendants could have moved them to the front. Nowhere to go. I mean, no. I mean, uh, it's a completely yeah, full know. flight. Com- that's the thing. It's a completely yeah, full flight. I know. To, <laughs> to the to the front of coach or the back of coach or something. Well, I mean, again, I mean, there, there's no thing. I mean, there, there's nowhere to go. We're we're in the back of coach. Nowhere to go. Um, and I mean, I, look, the parents. The, the dad kept saying, no, stop kicking. No, don't do that. And they're, they're still doing that. And I guess my, my point is, at some point in time, I, I understand the parents are in a bad situation, but does everybody else have a right to? I mean, does, does the, the right to bring these, the, in this case, the, you know, sick, you know, screaming, out of control toddler on the plane? And yeah, I understand the parents feel bad, but does everybody else have a, a right as well. 414-799-1620. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. I I think they weren't thinking of the welfare of the child. I mean, um, much less the welfare of the people around them, but they obviously did not think of how this would affect the child for nine hours. And yeah. they should have consulted with a doctor and, and gotten some Benadryl into the child. Yeah, well, that's it. Now, somebody's texting me. Well, maybe they were seeking medical treatment in Cincinnati. No, they were going home to Cincinnati. The guy I was talking to the guy. He's he says, yeah, she's she's sick. You know, they were, you know, she's she had a cold and a cough. It wasn't like she's got terminal cancer. It was a sick, out of control toddler that's on there. That's again decided that you know, okay, she's out of control, and I feel bad for everybody, but especially for everybody on this nine hour flight because of this one toddler. It made it a really bad experience for everybody. I would have been heading for the door at 30,000. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Well, you keep – I kept thinking it was going to get better. I mean, see, that that was it. It was like, okay, I can't believe at sooner at some point in time you think the kid's going to get tired and just shriek herself out. No, no, no. It went on for, you know, nine hours, and then as you're starting to descend, and then the, the kid's ears start to hurt. And I mean, I, I guess it really does raise the, this other question about – do, do I think children shouldn't be on airlines? Well, no. But at the same time, on some of these types of flights, it, you know, if I, I don't know. I mean, a nine-hour flight to Europe or back from Europe, that's a challenge to anybody, you know, much less a three-year-old under the best of circumstances. You know, maybe it makes you wonder, all right, maybe, you know, maybe the grandparents should come and visit us or something like that. In any event... That was the experience. Ultimately got home. Glad to be back. Lots of stuff to talk about. And if you think I'm a terrible person for objecting to the screaming out-of-control child, I, I can end up living with it. Bottom line is, should have upgraded, should have upgraded, should have spent the money. This is Jeff Wagner. We're back in a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> So very glad to have you with us. All right. If you want to see a video of this, you can simply go to our website, um, 620WTMJ.com. We have this story up there. You've perhaps seen it in other areas as well. What, what happens is it's a high school football game, September 6th in uh, Kenosha County, Wilmont Union High School. Maybe you have heard this story or seen the video. It is a very short video. I will describe it to you. It is the middle of the football game. These two idiot kids, yes, idiot kids, there he's being insensitive again, decide they are going to run out onto the field 
in the middle of the football game. They have their shirts off. So it's the middle of the football game. And these two kids go racing. They're apparently being chased by a security guard. That's what the story is. I don't see the security guard too much on the video. But they go running through the end zone onto the field in the middle of the game. They're cheering and they're waving and, you know, they've got their shirts off. All right. This is the middle of the football game. They are running. What happens is an assistant coach from Wilmot High School comes out and what he does is he he does his best WWE move. He sticks out his arm. He clotheslines one of the two kids. All right, and the kid goes down like a sack of potatoes. Boom, goes down. The coach then gets him up, grabs him by the trousers, picks him up, and the da- the kid who's looking kind of dazed walks. You know, he's walked off the field and is sat down. So I mean, he, he's he's clotheslined. He's taken down by the assistant football coach as he's running on the field. Now, interestingly enough, the kid is then removed. He's suspended from school. The kid doesn't tell his mother or his, doesn't tell his parents that he did all this. Okay, so mom and dad don't know the kid runs onto the field. Mom finds out about it after um, a neighbor apparently calls and says, um, "Hey, did did you did you see what's you know go, going on? There's this uh, video that's been posted showing your kid running onto the field and you know getting getting clotheslined by the coach, grabbed by his pants and you know taken off." She says she learned about this when the video of the incident came out. Kid, so the kid doesn't go home and say. Mom, guess what I did? Kid doesn't go home complaining, gee, I got clotheslined by the you know football coach, because the kid probably deep down recognizes that he's stupid and irresponsible. But so he didn't, didn't tell mom. So this isn't a situation where the kid has like lengthy bruises or things like that. He's kind of a little bit stunned because he got knocked down for being somewhere that he's not supposed to be. So mom finds out about this. Now she has immediately gone public. She says she gets a call from the principal. Um, she was told that he would have to be picked up and he would be ticketed. She says they never bothered to tell me he was clothesline, knocked out. I mean, he really wasn't knocked out and dragged off the field by the football coach. She finds this all out. Now she says, I want to see this football coach fired. I don't think it would happen, but something needs to be done. I don't think he should get away with it. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I don't have a problem with what the coach did. Does that make me a terrible person? I mean, the kid is being irresponsible. The kid is running away from the security people. He is trying to be disruptive. You, if you are the assistant football coach, you don't know what this kid is doing. You don't know that that kid doesn't have a knife. You don't know that the kid doesn't have a gun. Now, I think it's unlikely. I mean, this is a college, high school kid, you know, being stupid. So I think that's, that, that's, that's probably more likely. But you don't know that. And, you know, think about the situations we've had in other sports, like the tennis players that have been stabbed or something. Let's say this kid does have a knife, and he pulls it out, and he stabs one of the officials, or he stabs, you know, one of the other players. I mean, he ran onto the field, and I guess I kind of think that within reason, within reason, you run onto that field, you know, and those circumstances, and... Well, all right, you, you kind of take your, your chances, and getting clotheslined to be taken down so they stop you from continuing to run on the field, all right, I don't have a problem with this, and I don't think the assistant coach should be fired. I think the mother, 
Maybe the mom's got some issues here as well that the kid apparently didn't tell her, you know, what it was that, that he did. And mom's upset uh, again with the assistant coach. She wants him fired. No way. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Steve in Oak Creek. Steve, you're first. Hello. Good, a- good afternoon. Hi, Steve. Um, the, the story was also on the morning news, and, and she said that her son has a concussion. But he even admitted that what he did was stupid and wrong. So, you know, choices have consequences. And if that was the ending to what he did, then so be it. Uh, yes, it was a great WWE move. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Thanks. I mean, that that's that's it. Actions have consequences now again i understand i understand that you you can change the you change the facts a little and and maybe maybe it's different maybe you know if if the coach picks the kids up and body slams him and then starts kicking him in the back or the legs or whatever maybe it's a different story but that's not what happened you watch the video the coach sticks out his arm he clotheslines him it it's like you know the old america awa days he clotheslines him the kid goes down he doesn't hit the kid he doesn't punch him he then picks the kid up and hauls his but off the football field where he didn't belong in the first place. And I guess, is it any different if one of the other players had tackled him? Again, I think when you decide that you're going to disrupt the game like that, you're going to run onto the field, well, within reason, and I highlight this within reason, you kind of get what you deserve. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mark in Manitowoc. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, Give, if mom is mom, as long as mom is protecting the kid, now give him a five hundred dollar fine. Uh, I, I heard it was two hundred dollars. Yeah, the kid got a two hundred dollar disorderly conduct ticket and a five day suspension from school. Yep. Yes. Make it five hundred dollars. She's trying to protect her kid. Uh, no reason for this. These kids, they kind of mock the people that are chasing them. Yeah. And whatever it takes to take that kid off the field is what you do and if it was a clothesline that's what you have to do yeah i again right i thanks again th- th- that's that's kind of my take change the facts a little maybe i have a different position throw the kid down kick him in the head lots of times all right have him walk away with bruises like i have on my arm right now it's a different story but the kid wasn't hurt see that's that's the other thing in this particular case the kid he walks off he's a little bit dazed but okay that you, you do kind of run some risks and my guess is my guess is this is the last time that that kid's going to run onto a stage, onto a, a football field or whatever. When you do that, you present a danger to the players, to the officials. They don't know what is going on. And candidly, I, I don't think they have to say, oh, here, Mr. Young Punk, would you please stop running onto the field now? Because we want to continue our game and we want you to quietly move off the field. You, you know, you're going to get tackled. You're going to get taken down if you don't want to take that risk. Simple thing. Stay the hell off the field. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So while I'm on my vacation, I, I'm you know you're in Europe and there is internet access, and I would take. I, I wasn't really keeping that much up with the news, but on a couple occasions I'd sit down on the computer, I check stuff out. I saw this story in the New York Times on Sunday about uh, Justice Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, and I said to some of the people we were with. This does not pass my smell test. There, there's something fishy about this. And um, once again, in this particular case, my, my smell test instincts were right. If you haven't seen this story, the, US, the New York Times on Sunday ran this breathless piece where they are supposedly quoting from a new book coming out on Brett Kavanaugh by New York Times reporters. 
And and a, a lot of the story, I mean, it was called Brett Kavanaugh fit in with the privileged kids. She did not. And the story was primarily kind of a, a rehash of this story about Deborah Ramirez, the Connecticut woman who alleged that as a freshman at Yale in 1983, he'd pulled down his pants, his thrust his penis at her. Okay. Um, he's denied those allegations. The allegations went, went nowhere during the confirmation hearing. However, all right, the, the New York Times reports another story involving Kavanaugh at another freshman year party. And this is where they break new ground. The allegations are he allegedly exposed himself and friends pushed his penis into the hands of a female student. So here you have another example of of this sort of behavior. The story said former classmate Max Steyer reported the incident to the FBI and senators as the nomination was being discussed. The story, however, said that Steyer, the guy who supposedly reported this, would not discuss it with authors. Kavanaugh would not comment on it. But here you have this another. This is another allegation. This is this justice on the Supreme Court. Look at, at what he's at what he's done. And then you have some of the Democrats saying, OK, this is a basis for impeachment. I'm reading this story and I'm thinking, OK, this is old news and. And it just it doesn't smell right. Well, here's the story. After the story was posted online, the New York Times said, um, well, okay, the woman who is supposedly involved in the incident, the woman who was actually supposedly the victim, she had refused to be interviewed. So she wasn't confirming the story. She wasn't making allegations. That also says that friends say that she doesn't recall the incident. So the the alleged victim isn't saying anything. Friends are apparently telling the New York Times she doesn't recall that she's never said it. She says she doesn't recall any of this. They left that out of the story. They left it out of the story. They made the conscious decision to edit this to say, oh, there's implied there's this other woman out there that says that now Justice Kavanaugh did this terrible thing in, in Yale in 1983, which would therefore, I guess, go to corroborate the allegations of the other woman, that if he did it to one woman, he had to do it to the other. Except the New York Times knew, knew that, yes, they reported on this, but they knew that the woman herself, she she wasn't stand, she wasn't saying anything. She did not she did not make a comment on this. And friends of hers that they tracked down quoted her as saying she does not recall this incident. And they went with this without reporting those details, giving the impression that Justice Kavanaugh had again done this to another woman. Now, all right, you you, you can make an argument about whether the, the story itself would have been newsworthy. Okay, uh, that, that's fine. But given the fact that the alleged victim refuses to corroborate this and people close to her says she essentially is denying this, to run that story without at least reporting those two facts demonstrate how deeply and painfully biased the New York Times is. This is not journalism anymore. At least it's not the journalism that everybody grew up with. This is kind of... Oh, it's Brett Kavanaugh. He was appointed by Donald Trump. He is a conservative. And so we can do anything we want. We can smear the man's reputation. We can throw out all 
all sorts of you know indications of fairness, and we can jump on this and report it. You know, now they're backing off, and the the, edit, the, the reporters are saying, "Well, it's not our fault; it's the editors." The editors are saying, "Well, you know, we we just you know we we didn't necessarily think this was relevant at the time." This it you know I I understand that people in the news media, and I say this all the time, they hate it when President Trump talks about fake news and, and goes on about the media excesses. Well. My, my recommendation would be, I understand that this is an era where, you know, all, all the gloves are off. Anything you can do to get Trump, anything you can do to get conservatives is apparently like fair game. But if you don't want to be accused of peddling fake news, I have a real imp- simple solution. Don't put out fake news. And this, again, this is one of the most egregious examples of it, but it's not the only one to, that you're just going to smear flat out smear somebody intentionally withholding relevant information that probably would have justified not running the story in the first place or at least at least it would have changed the perception of the story gee this one guy says this happened the victim doesn't corroborate it and her friends say it didn't happen all right is that too much to ask for you would think so but in today's day and age of gotcha journalism and we hate people on the right, well, it's just what you can come to expect. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. As Eric Bilstad just mentioned, we do have a grown-up who's going to be running to replace Jim Sensenbrenner, somebody who's not in their 20s and somebody who's not related to prominent Wisconsin politicians, somebody who actually has a track record and experience himself. That is Scott Fitzgerald, um, and he's going to be joining me about 2.10 uh, to talk about his run for Jim Sensenbrenner's congressional seat. All right. God save us from pin-headed bureaucrats in public education. And I'm talking about those pin-headed bureaucrats. We're feisty today. A little bit feisty, huh? It's good. The pin-headed bureaucrats at Northwest Wisconsin Technical College. Our tax dollars at work. This story, it, it broke Friday. All right. It involves a woman, and we talked about this when it first happened. I think I'm pretty clear I predicted at the time that this was going to be a loser for the pin-headed bureaucrats at Northeast Northeast, not Northwest, Northeast, Tech, Wisconsin Technical College. All right, here's the story. Last February, on Valentine's Day, this would be February of 2018, on Valentine's Day, this lady, she's 29 years old, she's a, studying to be a paralegal. What she did is she went to the college, and you know she, she's a student there, and um, she wanted to continue what she described as a family tradition of sharing religious valentines. All right. So what what she does is she shows up with these like like handmade Valentine's Day cards and the Valentine's Day cards contain messages like and I. I, I hope you're sitting down for this because I, I don't want to offend you. And I, I know there's snowflakes out there. They're going to be upset about this. But these are some of the messages that were on the Valentines. You are special. Uh, John 411. God is love. You know, John at 411. Jesus loves you. Romans 58. You are loved and cared for. Peter 57. So they got biblical verses on them. But it's you are special. God is love. Jesus loves you. You are loved and cared for. 
I mean, it's so it's not exactly like, hey, you know, you're going to die tomorrow. It's 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 biblical verses that are, I I guess, completely appropriate, at least in my opinion, for Valentine's Day. So, okay, so she's she's passing out these cards and she distributes about 30 of them when all of a sudden a security guy comes up to her and says, we have received a complaint about you. We got a complaint that there was a report of suspicious activity and or a suspicious person. All right. We got a complaint because there's a student who's passing out Valentines that say God loves you. All right. So immediately the, the gears of Northeast Wisconsin Technical College go into motion. The security guard rushes out there. They say, all right, we, we, you got to come in. Because we want to stop you. We are concerned that you are disturbing the learning environment. Disturbing the learning environment and walking to into an area that is restricted to students without being invited or announced. Now she of course is she she's a she is in fact a student. Then all right, so then what happens is they say, all right, well, well, here's here's the deal. You know, you are you're violating our rules because what what we've done is we've created a a free speech zone, which essentially says you've got a really tiny area of about well may, maybe one or two bus lengths, and it's in front of you know the campus. And you can be there, but only if you have prior approval for being there. And we have to see what you're passing out. And so, you know, we we have decided that handing out Valentine's Day card with Bible verses is suspicious activity or makes you a specific person or would violate rules on public assembly. So, all right, this story comes out. Ultimately, what happens is there is a lawsuit which is filed um, on behalf of this lady, and surprise follows surprise. And the lawsuit was filed by the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Late last week, a federal judge really slapped down Northeast Technical College, saying they violated this thing called the First Amendment, when they told her that you can't hand out cards to Bible messages to students and to staff. Now, here's the interesting thing. According to the Journal Sentinel, when reached Friday night, the college says, well, we haven't taken a look at this ruling. You know, we, we might have more to say. Well, all right, I will tell you what that more to say should be. The more to say about this ruling by the federal judge in Green Bay should have been, we apologize to the student for jacking her up, implying that she was a a suspicious person, implying that what she was doing was disrupting the learning atmosphere. We're really sorry we did this, and we won't do it again. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Should this woman be restricted from being able to hand out Valentines to other students and to, I don't know, professors, and to anybody else who might be on that campus. 
Is this an unreasonable limitation of her ability, again, under the First Amendment, to want to express herself? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess nobody, look, if this was a deal where in the middle of a class, she interrupts the professor, she walks in, and she decides to hand out these things, that is a different story. But if she's outside in a public area passing out valentines that have a religious connotation, I think she should be allowed to do it. Even more importantly, I don't believe for one minute that the people at the Northeast Wisconsin Technical College would have run into action as as fast as they did if this was a student that was passing out things that did not have the religious message. You couple the religious message with the fact that they were passing out valentines. I have no doubt in my mind that that is what threw these pinheaded bureaucrats into a major hissy fit. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. She passed out Valentine's. The federal judge says she should be allowed to do it. For all I know, the college is considering appealing. 414-799-1620. All right. Did she do something that was so awful? My answer is not just no, but heck no. We're back to discuss in just a minute. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's, it's been a while since I was in college or in law school. Okay, I acknowledge that. But I can remember, you know, sitting in student unions, and what would happen is people would come up to you and they'd be passing out all sorts of stuff. That that was just it. And if you didn't want it, you'd say, no, thank you. Um, or you take it and you'd kind of like, you know, put it in a circular file or or whatever. But that that's... You, that, that's, you would think that that's part of being in college, where you have like a discussion of issues and things like that. No, this is the flyer. There's something going on at the you know at the union. They're they're having this show or that show. So what this lady ended up doing is she walks into the student union and she's passing out these valentines. Okay, passing out the valentines. Um, apparently, again, they tell her, well, some people might find the Bible references on the cards offensive which I think in and of itself right there is a violation of the First Amendment. They say that she was disturbing the learning environment. Um, okay, really? I mean, in the general studies area of the student union. So you're walking through the union doing this stuff. I mean, seriously, this this is what passes for rational thought in public education in Wisconsin. Um, now, some person, I got a text here, she should have added a condom. Yeah, I mean, see, that that's kind of it. You know, we, we're in a situation where school officials in high schools and in middle schools, you can give out condoms to 13-year-old girls without telling their parents that you're doing that, and, and that's, that's fine, but heaven forbid a 29-year-old student in a college should give out a valentine with a Bible verse saying, God loves you, or you are special, to someone because then they might be offended by this. Now, I have a text here, Jeff. If she was handing it out to people that she knew were religious friends or whatnot, that would be okay. But otherwise, no, people don't want that stuff crammed down their throat. No, no. It's not a question of cramming anything down people's throat. Somebody comes up, they give you something, you say, no, thank you. All right? That, that's that's kind of life. If you don't want it, you say, no, thank you. Now, I don't know. If somebody's giving you a valentine, I think that's probably a pretty cool thing. But, okay, you don't want it. I'm all right with that. You take it. You just put it aside. I mean, it's not like this lady is going up and sitting down and proselytizing and engaging in a lengthy conversation about whether you found the Lord or things like that, although I would argue that that may be permitted as well if you chose to do it. But she wasn't 
doing that. She was simply handing out the Valentines. And again, you will never convince me that this controversy really wasn't about her passing out the Valentines. It was about her passing out Valentines that had religious sayings on them because, again, we understand that when it comes to public education, in many cases, it's it's the religious cooties. Oh, how dare a student do something like that? And, again, the complaint was because somebody somebody complained and the school officials were afraid that somebody might be offended. Not offended about the Valentine, but offended about the religious message. And you would hope that the folks at Northeast Technical College um, understand now that there is this thing called the First Amendment. And just because just because it has a religious connotation on it doesn't mean that it is not protected when an individual student chooses to do it. Now, unfortunately, it's going to cost the taxpayers a whole bunch of money in defending this lawsuit. Hopefully, they will not throw good money after bad and try to appeal it. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. It's 125 Saturday Night Live of all places. As long as we talk about the First Amendment hoisted on its own petard of political correctness. Now, this is so interesting because it's what passes for modern entertainment nowadays. You can, if, for example, if you don't like Brett Kavanaugh, Supreme Court Justice, you can do and say whatever you want about Brett Kavanaugh. Any sort of joke, bad taste, good taste, you, you can make it. If if it's Donald Trump, you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever horrible thing you want in the name of uh, comedy or, or whatever, and, and, it, and it's okay. It is interesting to me, though, to watch how people in the media in particular, in the entertainment industry, now twist themselves over what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and how we're going to police ourselves. This is the latest controversy. Saturday Night Live, which, of course, skews really, really far to the left and has a penchant for almost exclusively, but not exclusively, you know, um, trying to skewer right-leaning politicians. Brutal stuff about Sarah Palin. Remember all that stuff? Brutal stuff about Donald Trump. Well, all right, they announced the new cast, and they hire a guy named Shane Gillis. Now, Gru, you are much more aware of modern entertainment, local popular entertainment than I am. Had you ever heard of Shane Gillis? No. You, you never, it's unknown to you too. Okay, good. I feel a little bit better. He, not a well-known comedian, does some podcasts and stuff. He describes himself as being fat and from a white trash town. So he, that, that, that's the, that's the premise. He is an irreverent comic. Okay, he apparently does really good impersonations, too. Uh, but I, that, that's it. I don't know. He does an audition. They like him. They hire him. And now they have fired him four days later because it turns out that he's made some politically incorrect jokes. For example, on, on a podcast he did, he made derogatory remarks as jokes about um, Asians while chatting with one of his other, you know, people on the podcast. He says, Chinatown is blanking nuts, although he doesn't say blanking. He says, let the blanks live there, um, using a racial slur. Okay? And he says, yeah, I, I, look, I, I'm a comic. This is the stuff I do. I push boundaries. And, okay, sometimes there's hits. Sometimes there's, you know, misses that are on this. But I, I am a comedian. I do this kind of edgy stuff. 
and Saturday Night Live has decided, well, no, we we can't have you because you know you've you've you know done a couple of these things that some people might find to be offensive. Well, I mean, I thought Saturday Night Live was all about being edgy and being kind of cutting edge, and now the idea is okay because you know you've made some of these references which are going to be offensive to somebody. But I mean, you go to some of these comedy shows. My goodness gracious, you know, you, you know, somebody somewhere is going to be offended. And I guess to me, this, there's a couple issues. First of all, it's not about who Saturday Night Live hires. They, they can hire whoever they want. All right. That, that's the thing. First of all, though, I don't understand how you can hire this guy with, did they do no background check at all? I mean, my, my guess is they did. This stuff was out there, and they decided, hey, he's funny. We're going to go ahead with it anyways. Well, it's only after, all right, some little backlash comes out, and some people say they're offended, that Saturday Night Live just caves in. Oh, you know, we're getting some criticism from this, so we're going to have to get rid of the guy. Okay, so, I mean, it's where's the background check? But number two, what what goes on? I mean, again, what passes for comedy nowadays or or in general? This is the whole idea of political correctness. Look, I, I grew up in a time where you had you had comedians that did really edgy stuff. I mean, you had comedians like uh, Richard Pryor, you know, who who did really really edgy, cutting edge stuff that you know again made references that some people would say, "Oh, that's incredibly racist." That you would say that, but nevertheless, some people laughed, some people didn't, some people were offended, some people weren't. But but. That's that's it. It was all about kind of like pushing the edge. That's where you got it a lot of time from the entertainment industry. Now, for the longest time, like I say, in the entertainment industry, it's been, okay, you, you can push the edge. You can say anything you want about the Sarah Palins and the Donald Trumps of the world. Um, but now... Now you're starting to see more and more sacred cows. Oh, if you did anything that somebody found to be funny, but, you know, you, you said something, you made a joke about women. Oh, we can't do that anymore because you're a misogynist. Or you made a joke that somebody who's a, about somebody's sexual orientation or about that. Oh, we can't do that anymore because then you're going to be homophobic. At some point in time, we have completely and totally lost the ability to laugh at ourselves. My, my, my thing is, look. Put these people out there and then let the public decide. Kathy Griffin, I'm not a Kathy Griffin fan. I mean, you know, her career kind of went downhill after she crossed that line and stood up with the severed head of Donald Trump. But that that's just a business decision. You know, people decided, you know, it, it's just she's going to be, she's not that funny in the first place. And secondly, you know, people aren't going to watch. That's fine. I don't think that this was necessarily a situation, because most people don't know Shane Gillis. Would people have boycotted Saturday Night Live because of this? Of course not. It's that the Saturday Night Live didn't have the guts to stick with their hiring choice, which tells you a lot about where we are with political correctness in this country. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm going to try, I'm going to, try to be charitable here. It is one of the most staggeringly clueless sentences that I have ever seen written in the local newspaper. Now, I'm using the word clueless. There are other words that I could use, but we're just going to say clueless. And it demonstrates part of the problem that we have reporters that have huge bias and you have editors that just don't stop and analyze things. And and it all translates into this. Now, Scott Fitzgerald, who is the Senate Majority Leader, he has announced that he is going to run for Congress for the Jim Sensenbrenner seat, it is the 5th Congressional District, right? The 5th Congressional District is one of the most heavily Republican districts in the country, 
right? It, it's just like Gwen Moore's district. What's that? The fourth. Gwen Moore's district is Milwaukee County. Gwen Moore's district is one of the most overwhelmingly liberal, Democrat-leaning districts in the country. All you have, you know, Gwen Moore is going to get reelected for as long as she wants to get reelected. And then when she ultimately decides to step down, whoever runs the Democrat is going to win that district. It is just overwhelmingly Democrat. I I would say probably 70-30. But Sensenbrenner's district is the same. All right, just, just let me give you some of the numbers here. 2018, Sensenbrenner won. With uh, two hundred with sixty two percent of the vote, two hundred twenty five thousand to one hundred thirty eight thousand. Right, twenty uh, twenty. Okay, that was twenty eighteen. Twenty sixteen, he won with that 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 that. Twenty sixteen, he won with sixty nine percent of of the vote, uh, and it goes on and on. I mean, he he's always he's always had between sixty to seventy percent of the vote as reflects the fact that it is an overwhelming Republican district. Here's the reality. Whoever, whether it's Scott Fitzgerald or somebody else, whoever wins the Republican primary is going to win that district. Now, there might be some Democrat that runs, and there might be some Democrat that gets, you know, 100-plus thousand votes or so, but but it, it's not going to happen. It, it's an overwhelming Republican district. It is not in play. And anybody who knows anything about politics would tell you that, just like whoever runs against Gwen Moore in his, her district as a Republican is not going to win. And I'm not discouraging people from doing that, that. That's fine. But it's just what the reality is. So the Journal Sentinel has a story online about Scott Fitzgerald, the Senate Majority Leader, getting into the race. And we're going to talk to Scott in about a half hour or so about this. So you read through the story. It goes through, you know, Fitzgerald's background qualifications. And it talks about how in 2016 he was an early supporter of President Trump. All right. So he, he was in favor of Trump early on. All right. Fine. Here's what it then says. And, and this this is a sentence that makes me wonder how you could ever. Who is the reporter that wrote this? Molly Beck. Don't know her. Molly Beck writes this. But it makes me wonder how anybody could write a sentence like this. Here's what it says. It, it points out that Fitzgerald was an early supporter of President Trump. That support of President Trump could create some obstacles to winning the 5th Congressional District, which has swaths of white-collar voters in the Milwaukee suburbs who have grown skeptical of the president. (sighs) All right. Look, I don't know if President Trump is going to win Wisconsin again next year. I don't know that. Nobody knows it for, for sure. All right? But at the same time, in the 5th Congressional District, one of the most Republican districts in the country, being a supporter of Donald Trump is not going to hurt you, and it's not going to cost you the election, and it's not going to create an obstacle to winning the 5th Congressional District. I mean, seriously, whoever is the Republican nominee is going to be a supporter of Donald Trump. Trust me, I don't know who else is going to be getting into this race, but whoever runs is going to be a supporter. You know what would create an obstacle for a Republican to winning this congressional district would be if you are an anti-Trumper. And I point this out only because 
Anybody who knows anything about Wisconsin politics understands that this is a safe Republican seat and also understands that this is an area where there is huge support for Donald Trump. I mean, this district, it's Waukesha County, it's Jefferson County, it's Dodge County, it's a good chunk of... um, you know, Washington County, and did I mention Waukesha County, and a tiny, you know, slice of the Milwaukee suburbs. I mean, to write that, gee, Scott Fitzgerald is a supporter of Donald Trump, so that could cost him stuff, is again, I I understand that we're in this rush here to try to, okay, well, Donald Trump's going to be terrible, and he's going to be a drag on the ticket. I don't know, maybe Donald Trump is going to be a drag on the ticket in some parts of the state or some parts of the country. (laughs) Donald Trump being a supporter of Donald Trump, again, if if you don't believe me about anything today, believe me when I tell you that being a supporter of Donald Trump is not going to be a hindrance that's going to stop you from getting elected in Jim Sensenbrenner's seat. And I guess you, you wonder how anybody can be taken credibly if, if they write stuff like that. We're going to talk to Scott Fitzgerald coming up in about a half hour. When we come back, hey, I don't want to go to school. Oh, it's okay with you. Stick around. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. A little feisty, I, I admit. I'm going to send out a tweet. That, that, I just, th- there are some just staggeringly clueless things that people just write and put in the paper and things like that. And you sometimes you just have to say, are, are you high? I mean, really, gee, being a supporter of Donald Trump is going to hurt you in Jim Sensenbrenner's district. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, by the way, speaking of Jim Sensenbrenner's district, I, I I did want to advise you of this because it's something that I have taken a position on, and I know you might disagree with me on it, especially if you are uh, affected. There, Look, I'm, I'm a golfer. I love to play golf. The Wanakee Golf Course, that's in Waukesha County. It's one of three public courses that they have. It, it does it, – it's hemorrhaging money. You know, we've talked about this before. The county executive announced that he they've been they've done long term studies of this, and they had decided they were going to close this golf course because they simply can't afford to keep it open. It doesn't come close to paying for itself. It's been losing money year after year after year, and they see no realistic option to continue to keep it open. My my point about this has been, look, I, I'm a golfer, but there, there's just too many other golf courses that are out there. There's Silver Spring Country Club that's open to the public. That's right down the road. You've got other good golf courses that are in the area. But, you know, the, there's there's a lot of need for taxes. And I appreciate that golf courses are, are important to contribute to the overall public good. But at the same time, you can't be expected to shell out tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to allow a relatively small number of people to participate in this activity when they have other places that they can go. Now, I, I've, I've maintained that position. I think we've talked about it on the program twice. Lots of you agree with me. Other people have said, no, you you don't get it, Jeff. This is just this great place, and there's all these problems with the way the course has been managed, et cetera, et cetera, and it would be terrible if they, they close it, and we want to we save it. O- okay, well, they are having a hearing. It's next Wednesday, September 25th, at the Wisconsin County Expo Center. It's going to start at 6 o'clock. They're going to open the doors at 5 o'clock, and what's going to be – and, and this this will be interesting. To, it, it'll be interesting to see what the coverage this gets in the newspapers and on TV and radio. But the director of parks and land use is going to come out and, and explain, presumably, why the studies say that it just makes no economic sense to keep this, this golf course open. Members of the public will have the option to speak. 
um, presentation limited to two or three minutes, depending on the number of people. My guess is you're going to have a number of people that have you know, passionately want to keep it open, and that that always happens. If you want to close a swimming pool, or even though there's not that many people that use the swimming pool, they all show up and, and they appear passionately about it. But bottom line is, for people who feel strongly that Waukesha County is wrong in trying to you know close down this golf course, you have an opportunity to make your case. That's going to be next Wednesday uh, again. If you can come up with options, that that's fine. I'm not a Waukesha County resident, and I, I, I'm a golfer. Love to see golf courses stay open, but the bottom line is you, you've got limited, you've got a finite amount of tax dollars, and I think it's hard to argue that you should continue when there's other public golf courses, not as convenient, perhaps, to where you are, and other semi-private golf courses in the area, and there's a lot of them in Waukesha County that people can pay for affordable rates. It's tough to argue you know why, if you've got a golf course that's hemorrhaging tax dollars, why you 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 should keep it open. But if you go ahead and make that case for anybody who feels strongly about it. The hearing is next Wednesday night. You know, and my guess, a lot of people that feel passionate about it are going to hear it. All right, let us switch gears. When I was in high school, all right, I remember. Uh, actually, I was when I was in grade school when they had the first Earth Day. I remember the first Earth Day, but I I am a child of really the 70s, but sometimes the late 60s. I remember the protests. When I was at Nicolet High School in 1971, the Vietnam War was still going on. I remember, seemed like every day or two, you had massive student walkouts. People were walking out all the time to, you know, protest this or protest that. And then, you know, after the Vietnam War, you had the Watergate stuff. And people were walking out all the time to protest. And there was all these different types of things. And school officials in general, this is back in the day, took the position that, you know, you're, you're going to get in trouble if you walk out. You know, that this, you, know you, you, can, you can do all the protesting you want, but you're supposed to be in school during the school day. Which brings me to something that is going on Friday in New York City. I, Drew, I did not know about this. I wonder if they announced it while I was in Europe. But this Friday, all right, there is going to be a massive youth protest three days ahead of the United Nations Climate Action Summit. All right, so massive protest. Hey, we've got global warming or we, we've got, you know, climate change or whatever. And so... What authorities want is apparently they, they want to see massive protests. So the school, the school system in New York City, which I believe is the nation's largest school system still, they have announced that for the 1.1 million students who go to school in New York City, that it is a skip school day. You can, you can walk out and you will not be held responsible. Apparently, there's 800 of these demonstrations planned across 50 states. The hope that New York has is that if we let our kids out to protest, then other school districts will allow their kids out to protest. And the founder of one of the climate organizations says, holy smokes, this thing could get huge. So they say, all right, demonstrators as young as nine they're, they're free. You can go ahead, you can walk out, and there will be no, no consequences to your protest. Um, you do, however, need consent from your parent or guardian to be excused. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the um, Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Let us tee this up. Permission 
to skip school, to walk out of school for, I don't know, this this protest. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your tax dollars at work. Should we encourage school time to be used for these sort of protest activities? My simple answer would be no. If you want to stage a protest, go with God. Protest at 3 o'clock after the school day ends. Protest on Saturday morning. But as long as the taxpayers are paying to have school open, as long as the teachers are being paid to be in there and teach, I think to allow students to encourage them to skip school for, gee, we're going to protest climate change or, you know, we're going to go smoke dope wherever we can or do whatever, I think is irresponsible. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it is a height of irresponsibility for any official to say, all right, it's a free day, skip school if you want. If you want to have a protest, have it on Saturday. Am I missing something? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Our, our text line. When I was gone, they, they changed. They changed the way it works, and so now it used to be at the top to the bottom, and now it's like the bottom to the top. I'm sure I will figure this out, but it's a little confusing. All right, so here's the deal: New York City has decided 1.1 million students you don't have to go to school on Friday because they're going to give you a free day to protest climate change. Okay, my only point is, really? I mean, look, if you want to have a protest, fine. Protest climate change all you want, but do it on your own time. Do it at 3 o'clock. Do it um, on – here's a novel concept. Do it on Saturday. Well, here's the deal. The organizers know that if they did it on Saturday, nobody would show up because the kids have other stuff that they want to do on Saturdays. That's just it. We're not giving up our Saturday morning to go protest climate change, but give them a free day off of school. All right, then they jump on it. All right, so – uh, let's see, 414-799-1620 is a text. Seriously, it's only one day. There are more important worries and problems. I say, so what? Well, okay, yes. Are, are there more important things, you know? Um, are there more important things? Well, well, maybe. But at the same time, you know, here, here's the idea. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to protest during the school time. And, again, let's just understand this. They're trying to gin up this thing that, oh, these kids are really concerned about this issue, and look how how we're all united on this thing. But the only way they get that unity is by, again, doing this during the school day, because if it was something that really impacted people and required them to come out on their own time, you know, they... They wouldn't do it. Um, all right. Here's a text. Jeff, no, stop having kids feel that they are doing something and start doing it. Um, you know, why do something, you know, want to do something about climate change? All right. Teach about, you know, all these different things. Well, yeah, that, that's exactly it. If you want to do something about climate change, fine. All right. There's all sorts of stuff that you end up doing and that you can do in an effective way and you can take care of all these problems. But again, let's be honest. If they had to do it on their own time, people wouldn't show up. And so now let's give everybody a free day. All right. We want to have this and it's such a good day. Then why don't we just go ahead and close the schools, but let's not pay the teachers. Let's not pay the administrators. Let's see how people feel about it 
at that point. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Scott Fitzgerald, who's just announced today that he is running to replace Jim Sensenbrenner as the congressman for the 5th Congressional District. It is one of the most Republican districts in the country, so presumably any Republican that is ultimately nominated is going to be elected. And after that, lots more. Seinfeld, the new iPhones, GM workers going on strike. We do not go gently into the Brewers game today. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Melissa, we're on this listener trip. 50-plus listeners, they love you. Our listeners just absolutely love you. I can't believe that. (laughs) Why did you believe that? (laughs) I don't know. No one ever emails me or anything, so it's nice to hear that. Well, it, 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 it. You know what I mean? If you don't hear it, I mean, I have no idea. No, but I. Okay, but you're, you're, That's so you're nice. hearing it now. No, no, everybody was talking about it. And they, actually, it, it shows how well that people listen and how intently people listen because. They know things about you that I don't know. But, you know, it's, it, they're, they're saying, yeah. oh, you know, she's, she's doing this weight loss stuff yeah. or whatever. I'm going, Melissa's doing this weight loss stuff. But it's, you know, it it's works true. out well. Thank you for telling me that. That makes me feel good. I, I, I feel appreciated. That's people, nice. Well, it is. People yeah. absolutely love it. A number of people. And, and it, it is interesting. You go on these listener trips, and these are these are folks that are... These are folks that, again, they're, they they listen, they they love sure. the shows, and they love you. So I well, just thank to let you. you know I, that. Thank you for passing that along. I, that means a lot. Absolutely. All right. Now this this is interesting, and it's one of the signs that maybe you're getting a little bit older. Um, Scott Fitzgerald. Before I knew Scott Fitzgerald, I knew Scott's dad, Stephen Fitzgerald. Back in the day, in another life, when I worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office in the 80s and the 90s, um, Stephen Fitzgerald, Scott's dad, was, first of all, a a sheriff's deputy with the um, Dodge County Sheriff's Department. And then, then he went on. He was the sheriff for a number of years and we we did a number of initiatives together, um, you know, when we were fighting the war on drugs and things like that. So, I, I mean, I, know, I remember Sheriff Fitzgerald. And then, you know, um, Stephen Fitzgerald went on, and he was the head of the state patrol, retired after a, a very distinguished 50-year career in law enforcement. Um, Scott Fitzgerald, his son, Scott and I first met in 1994 when I was running for state attorney general, and he was running for election to the state senate for the, the first time. He He won. I didn't, but that's okay. Things all work out as they're intended to work out. And Scott Fitzgerald has been a leader in the state legislature for a number of years. He has been the the Senate majority leader for quite a while. He's been the face of a number of the you know, important, I think, issues in the conservative revolution that, that happened over the course of the last decade, including right-to-work laws and Act 10 and things like that. And today, confirming what a number of people had heard for a while, Scott Fitzgerald has decided that he is going to throw his hat in the ring to run for the seat, the congressional seat, being vacated by the retirement of Jim Sensenbrenner. And we're joined by the Senate Majority Leader, Scott Fitzgerald. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, that's... Um I love that introduction. Yeah, I remember those days when um, you were uh, probably interacting with my dad as sheriff on a regular basis. On a regular basis, just an, an absolutely great guy. But it's you know it's it's a generational type of thing. So Scott, all right, let's let's talk about it. A number of other people have decided to take a pass on this race. You announced today that you're getting into the race. Tell me why. 
Well, I think experience, leadership, and kind of a proven track record are the things, the themes that I've been hitting on so far in trying to make the case that, in fact, you know, there are a lot of things that we have accomplished and done in Madison, which, you know, I'm not naive. I know that Washington, D.C. is is a different place, and the House of Representatives is a different body. But I'd love to be able to to be the congressman from the 5th District that can uh, make my way to D.C. and and try and push some of, of those same types of reforms and public policy initiatives that we've had great success in uh, in Wisconsin with. Scott, um, if again, like you say, it's a different ball game being a congressman as opposed to you know being a state senator in Wisconsin. Are there one or two initiatives that you would say, look, these are things I really want to go there and I really want to push? Yeah, I think the first one that jumps out, and I know it's something that Congressman Sensenbrenner had, had talked about, but it probably would be that balanced budget amendment. Uh, it It is something, obviously, that we don't have here at the state level because there's a requirement that it must be balanced. Um, you know, and it's been in place for many years, but it's served us so well. It's a great example. I know other states that have it. It's a great example of, you know, a way to finally get control of, of what should be a great concern, uh, not only because it puts the country in harm's way, but is becomes a security issue, and that is the uh, the federal debt that just continues to climb. And, and this latest round, you know, we've got some numbers now where we're just bumped up another trillion dollars. That that should be a great concern to any member of Congress and certainly something that I would focus on. Um. I, I know over the years you have worked closely with with Congressman Sensenbrenner, e- even though you know he's in Washington and you're in in Madison. Uh, my my sense is that if you were elected, you would be continuing that legacy. I, I don't necessarily see any major policy differences between you and, and Jim Sensenbrenner. And would that be correct? Yeah, I think that's accurate. And and my Senate seat has overlapped uh, both the old ninth, if you remember. Sure. And, and now Congressman Sensenbrenner is representative fifth, and, and my district has overlapped that congressional. So a lot of the constituents that we had uh, were common constituents, and we worked together. If there were issues that, uh, you know, were brought to my attention at the state level, but they maybe lean more towards uh, the federal, a federal issue, you know, we'd go directly to Jim Sensenbrenner, and obviously his constituent services is known as probably the best in the House of Representatives. And uh, and we were always able to take care of constituents. So there was a lot of interaction between my office and Congressman Sensenbrenner's office over the years. We're talking to Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald, who announced today that he is running to replace Jim Sensenbrenner, who is retiring. Scott, as you look back on your long <laughs> career in, in politics in Wisconsin, what, what, are, what are one or the two of the accomplishments that you would point to as the ones that you are proudest of? Well, you know, kind of on a personal level, you know, I I like to remind people that I've always been pro-life. I was the author of Wisconsin's Partial Birth Abortion Ban. We've made a number of of also, we've put a number of other pro-life initiatives in front of the Senate over the years and have had great success. Um, Obviously, Act 10 jumps out as the reform uh, that um, obviously dominated the landscape for it still does, as a matter of fact. I mean, we're still we're still hearing uh, things related to that that has put local governments in a better place. We did right to work. We did prevailing wage. 
We uh, we got concealed carry through the legislature. Um, we also um, expanded school choice statewide, which was something, if I can't pat myself on the back, I mean, a, a lot of people told me when I first drafted that and, and said, listen, we're going to use this as a motion in the state budget to expand school choice statewide. A lot of people said it won't happen. You'll never, you'll never get the votes for it. And, uh, you know, now it's part of the fabric of Wisconsin uh, across the state with one, two, three, four students sometimes in these smaller schools that are part of the choice program. So there's a long list of reforms. You know, I'm, I'm proud that we have $600 million in our rainy day fund right now because the economy continues to expand in Wisconsin. Um, you know, it, 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 that list goes on and on. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think I had a big hand in, in making sure that some of these policies made it through over the last eight years. Well, you know, honestly, Scott, I think one of the things you don't get enough credit for, perhaps, is that unlike the Assembly, where there's been overwhelming Republican majorities, in the state Senate, that hasn't always been the case. And, you know, you, you've been in a position of trying to keep people in line and making sure you don't lose more than one or two votes, depending on, on different things. And I, I, I think that's got to serve as a testament to, you know, your leadership ability to, to be able to deliver when the rubber meets the road. Yeah, one seat majorities, two and and three at, at the max. I mean, I, yeah, it, it does make it difficult. It, and, you know, I got to give a lot of credit, though, to the members of my caucus over the years. They've been fantastic legislators and people to work with. And, and uh, you know, that always made my job easier. But, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the idea that I was able to help usher through many of these conservative reforms over the years. Uh, Scott, you were also one of, I'm not saying the first, but, but one of the first people to get behind now President, now President Trump, then Donald Trump's, you know, bid for the presidency back in 2015 and 2016. Um, I, I was reading a, an opinion piece in the Journal Sentinel today saying, oh, there, there's some concern that, that that early support for President Trump might hurt Fitzgerald, you know, if he's the Republican nominee. Any regrets about supporting President Trump? None whatsoever. No. You know, I, I could feel it within my own district. Um, I had people approaching me. Uh, clearly after that um, presidential primary happened in Wisconsin where Senator Cruz eked out a win, but it was clear to me that that uh, there was a ton of support for President Trump after that primary. And, you know, I had a long conversation with Reince Priebus at the time, and I said, you know, Reince, um, if you're behind Donald Trump, and, and I think if some of us elected leaders uh, quickly endorse and start helping, I believe we can pull off a victory in the state of Wisconsin, and and uh, it did all come together. And certain parts of the state, still, there's a ton of overwhelming support for him, and it's because he's an agent of change. You know, he has decided that he wanted to go in there and shake things up compared to, to what was going on, including the frustration, I think, with having Republican majorities in both houses and not being able to get things done. So, you know, that's what President Trump represents. And I think, you know, what he's done and, and how he has the economy cooking right now uh, is great. I know there's forecasts out there that say it's going to slow sometime in the future. But, you know, he's, he's always cognizant of the idea that, you know, there are certain things that the federal government can do to tweak things to, to make sure that the economy stays strong. And, and uh, you know, I support that. And I, I, supported, I support him going on offense on the trade front as well. You know, for too long under President Obama, it was just laissez-faire and, and, uh, you know, 
if we get around to uh, maybe trying to strike a conversation or or a deal that that ultimately flounders, you know, uh, that was that was the old mindset, and and President Trump has turned that around. Now, the conventional wisdom among some people is that the 2020 elections going to be bad for Republicans. President Trump is going to be running into a headwind, etc. I assume you have no problem at all campaigning not not only for Congress but also on a ticket that presumably will have Donald Trump at the top of it. I'm fine with that. As a matter of fact, as I look across the landscape of the state and I look at our state Senate races that are coming up, you know, we've got some very familiar incumbents that are running for re-election, people like Alberta Darling and Rob Coles and Luther Olson. And and uh, we've got some freshmen like uh, Patrick Teston in Stevens Point. You know, a lot of, a lot of those votes, uh, that are going to drive those races are obviously going to be part of that presidential. And, and as a result of that, we're looking for coattails. We're hoping for coattails. And I think those coattails will be there. Scott Fitzgerald announcing today that he's running to fill the seat being vacated by Jim Sensenbrenner. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I am sure we will have an opportunity to talk on many occasions over the course of the next several months. Always great to be with you, Jeff. Thank you. Take care. That's Scott Fitzgerald. And again, I'm going to offer a couple comments in just a minute, but I appreciate him joining me. And uh, I think his presence in the race is a very, very positive thing. It's 221. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. I need techie input on this. On our trip, I was being mocked, mocked, I tell you, Groom, by by everybody who, you know, it's now, when, when it comes to smartphones, everybody has to have the newest and the latest. My, my brother-in-law, Dave, of course, he's very proud that he still has his flip phone. But, okay, but, but that aside, in the smartphone world, you know, Apple, it seems like on a yearly basis, comes out with the new, the best product. And I will say this. Last year, my wife purchased, we purchased for her, we purchased a, an iPhone ten, and I, I forget which variation of the ten the it was, but the camera on it was spectacular to the point that we're on this trip taking pictures and everybody wanted her to take the pictures because the, the camera, it was just absolutely spectacular. And it, it, it would, you could take pictures into the sun and it would adjust for them. It, it was, it was amazing. Now, whether that was worth the extra money from going from the iPhone 8 or whatever she had to the 10, I, I leave that to other people to decide. But, but she has loved that. All right. I have largely resisted the challenge. In my hand, I am holding the smartphone that I use. Now, I have another one that's a little bit newer, but but the one I use is the Apple iPhone 5S. Now, this came out in 2013, so I probably bought it or purchased it around then, maybe 2014, and I've used it. So it is five years old. I like it because... It is small. It, it fits in my front pants pocket easily. It's got a tiny, it's got a small screen compared to what they have out there now, but 
it, it's fine for my needs. I use iPhones. Do I take pictures occasionally with them? Yeah, but basically I, I'm not downloading extensive video or things like that. I don't have my music library on it. I, I use it as a phone, and I use it to send messages, and I use it to check emails and things like that. But otherwise, my, my, my phone, it's good. Uh, last summer, I was on the road, and the battery died, and I took it to Batteries Plus, and for 39 bucks or whatever it was, they put a new battery in, and the battery seems perfectly fine, so I'm, it's okay, all right, the, the, it works fine for all my needs, it's not the processor, and if you're ac- accessing the internet and stuff, I don't get the stuff quite as fast as, as maybe some other people do, but I get it. And it's not like there's long delays. It's not like when you remember the old days where you had to have dial-up connections in there. It's nothing like that. This is a perfectly serviceable phone for me. And at least as of now, it's still being supported by Apple and things of the like. Now, I bring this up because... Apple has just rolled out the newest, the latest smartphones. They, they've got the 11, the iPhone 11, the iPhone 11. And I, I have in hands, gosh, I've got the review of it in the New York Times. I've got the review of it in the Washington Post. I've got the review of it in USA Today. Uh, the, the general conclusion is it, it's remarkable as far as battery life. The, these new phones, great battery life. They say the camera is tremendous. It's even an improvement over the 10, and they say the 10 is great. So, I mean, these reviews are raving about it. The general conclusion is, even though these are, even though these are good, um, there's, if you have a, if you have a 10, for example, it's, it's not worth spending a thousand bucks or whatever it's going to be to upgrade to the 11. They do say that if it's been a few years since you've you know done the upgrade and it's been a few years since I've done the upgrade they say it's well worth it and it, it's just it's time to pull the trigger it's time to you know put the reliable old paint my 5s that I'm holding here in my left hand it's time to to put it to bed and and to just bite the bullet and and spend the dough and get the new smartphone all right techies 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Early adopters, folks who have to have the newest and the best things. All right, it's a perfectly fine phone. It still continues to work. It holds its charge. It's got the camera. I've had it for five years. Is it time to pull the plug and to go, all right, let's just, you know, get the new one, and then hopefully you can get five years out of that. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess my question to you be, to you would also be, what do you intend to do? Is this the point in time where, hey, Apple's come out with the newest thing, the reviews are pretty darn good. All right, is it time to just say, all right, we're going to go with the newest? 414-799-1620, will it be worth it? Would you do it? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I don't know if I have gadget envy, but I'm getting mocked by my friends because I've got this, my iPhone, it's the 5S. It's five or six, it's probably like over five years old. It's little, it doesn't do stuff as fast as some people do. Do The, the camera, it's not the greatest camera in the world, but I mean, it, it's fine for what I use it for. All right, Apple's come out with the new 11s. 
on average, let's say a thousand bucks. The reviews say, well, they're they're really they're they're nice, and if you haven't upgraded in like five years, maybe it's money well spent. I'm still wrestling with this. Mark in Whitewater. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Welcome home. Thank you. Um, uh, in regards to your phone, uh, I think that article said that uh, Apple might not even support it anymore with the iOS uh, update. Right. Yeah, the most the recent one I think came out last year, but yeah, moving forward, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got the uh, iPhone 10, and according to that article, it kind of recommended you wait another year till the phones are like all 5G. Right. Because by that time, you know, AT&T, Verizon, blah, 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 will be uh, up and running with the 5G and everything. So my, my iPhone uh, X is only two years old. Uh, I'll wait another year. So, so yeah, that's the – and this one isn't – this isn't 5G, um, which is, I think, one of the things that in these reviews I was reading was a little bit critical of that they think maybe the next generation will be. So you're saying hold on for that latest technology. Yep, one more year. <laughs> okay, thank, well, I, thanks for calling. I mean, and, again, I do I do have a newer one that I just don't like as well, but, but again – it would fit into that category, but I, you know, it's, you know, it, it's one of it's one of these issues. Which when when do you pull the plug and, and take the plunge? Let's talk to Mike in Sheboygan. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, uh, Jeff. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. Okay. And I'm saying that because um, you know Apple is kind of making us all progress into these crazy expensive phones, and I know that eventually the old ones won't work, but it's just not fair that we should have to do that. Especially if we like what we have, I I recently had the 5s. Right. I had battery trouble, and I upgraded to the seven because um, I didn't want to replace the battery. Right. Even though I I, I almost went that route, so um, I just want to progress slowly and let them work out the bugs. Because sometimes on the new ones, there's all kinds of trouble right away that you hear about. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let the techies figure that stuff out, and I'll just come behind because anything's an upgrade at this point. Well, yeah, you know, I guess, see, that's kind of where I am on this as well. If it, once my, my phone becomes obsolete, and I recognize it, it will probably in the relatively near future, well, then I understand, you know, if, if they're not supporting it all. But for at least right now, it does all the stuff that I, I do, and it does all the stuff that I think I'm going to be doing in the in the near future. I mean, I don't think I'm missing out on all these great things that it would do. So I, I my, my inclination is I think I'm going to try to hold on for at least another year to, to wait out that, that 5G thing that the first caller was talking about. Yeah, I think that that's a good, uh, good advice right there because uh, there's no reason to rush it because only the people that already have the 10 are looking forward to the 11. Right. We can we can still get new stuff when it's necessary without going out and spending a thousand dollars. Well, you know? well, that yeah. Thanks to call. And again, I I mean, look, and I I appreciate that the big. It, it's both a blessing and the curse. The thing I love about my my old iPhone here is that it's it's small. It's got a small screen, but again, it fits in in my pocket. If you want to watch streaming video, well, it, it's it's not the best now you, you know you could you can watch it you can see the things but it's on a smaller screen that's one of the big changes that they made in addition to the camera and i will say this you know battery life that the new iphone 11 all the all the reviews that i am reading say it's got incredible battery life that they've kind of figured this out and and you know these people are saying you know we did all this heavy duty stuff and we did it all day and there was still 
things that were, you know, left with it, which is, you know, great because battery life is always, you know, one of these these factors that are out there. But I'm, I'm sitting there wrestling with the whole idea of is it really is it really worth the money? All right, let's go to our te- our text lines are kind of exploding. Jeff, uh, let's see, Jay from West Dallas, glad to hear you're back. Don't upgrade to another phone if you don't need it. Save the money. Well, that's kind of it. All right, Jeff, technology moves on whether you want to come along or not. If you don't, you'll eventually get left behind. Well, I appreciate that. I'm not a dinosaur. I mean, I, I get it. The only, the only question is, when is it appropriate to, you know, when, when do you make that decision? I don't need to go ahead and I don't, I don't need to go ahead and have the newest fancy bells and whistles. But at the same time, I, I want to be able to, to do the functions I need to do. Jeff, it's time for me to bite the bullet. I have a 5S as well. This past month I was in Arizona and then at Disney World and I stopped taking pictures and asked my daughter to use her iPhone 8. I will be purchasing the 11. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand my wife's camera is a lot better than than my camera and that's why you know she was that's why she was taking the pictures on our trip chris in racine hi chris you're on wtmj hi how are you doing i'm well thank you okay do i bite the bullet and spend the grand no i wouldn't do it um i recently had uh the opportunity i upgraded my phone to a seven and uh I, instead of keeping the seven after using it for a little bit i i gave it to my mother uh there's a few things about the, the 5S, which mine is uh, about, you know, fits in my hand really nice. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, certain design features where they have the off button on top of the phone instead of the side of the yep. phone. Yep. I accidentally hit that off button every time I'd use the 7. So I went back to my 5S. Uh, it fits in my hand really nicely. Yeah. I don't need new technology because I'm not a techie. But, uh, yeah. well, it, it is interesting when, like, like, my wife has, like I said, she's got the 10. And, I, I'm sure I could get over this learning curve, but you know it's it is it is completely different than the 5s. You know, there's that you just you you swipe, you use the facial recognition. I could learn all this. I, I'm sure. Like I say, I'm not a dinosaur about it. But to your point on you know where's the off button and all those type of things, I, I'm comfortable with this. So you're saying hold on for at least a little while longer, huh? I would not upgrade if I were you until you absolutely have to. I mean, if your phone breaks or right. You know, you have some major difficulty with it, then go ahead. But I mean, if, if you don't have to, it, it becomes a one of those first world problems where <laughs> you don't really talk about swap counts or phones in Jamaica. Right. No. Thank. Right. It, thanks. It, it is ultimately you are exactly right. It, it is ultimately the first world problem. But of course, you know, this is the. It is the interesting thing to me about Apple because, you know, Apple bases a lot of their success nowadays. I mean, Apple isn't developing that many new revolutionary products. What they're doing is, um, you know, what what they're doing is, you know, they're they're getting people who are already sold, you know, to getting to buy new stuff. And so, I mean, my question is. You know what? You know what are what are they going to do? Okay, here, Jeff. Talked to Sprint last week. They are upgrading my 5s to an 11, slightly less cost than I'm currently paying due to an introductory special. Contact them right after you get off the air, huh? All right, there's an ad for that. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, so now a number of people. If you listen to the show at the beginning, I was telling the story about how I, I had an opportunity that for a thousand dollars. On this long plane flight we had, and you should actually go back and listen to the podcast because it was my kind of venting, and we had an interesting, kind of interesting conversation about whether or not I'm, I'm a terrible person because 
I, I was upset that I, I had a screeching child behind me for nine hours who was kicking my wife's seat. But but that, be that aside, the story before that is they were offering you a chance to upgrade to business class for a thousand bucks, essentially me and my wife for a thousand bucks. And I Fran actually said, If you do this, I'm gonna kill you. It's just absolutely stupid money. And a number of people are pointing out, Oh, so you know, maybe what you should do is take the thousand dollars that you saved by not upgrading, you know, for the business class flight, and use that to buy the new iPhone. Maybe I'm. I will tell you this. I'm going to go look at it. I, I'm going to go look at it. But I'm thinking. I, I am thinking the five G aspect is there. But again, it's it's kind of like cars. I went through this, and actually, we talked about it before. I bought my purchased my last car a couple of years ago. I got gadget envy. I, I wanted the rear view camera. I wanted the you know driver side warnings things. I, I wanted the heated seats and all that type of stuff. And now that I have them, I can't go back. I mean, I just I just can't go back because. I, I, I just I wanted that stuff and now I use it on a regular basis. I'm sure there's a lot of really cool features on the eleven that I don't have on the five that once I pull the trigger I'll be happy. Only question is, do I wait just a little bit longer? And Apple wants to know not just whether I do that, Apple's gonna want to know whether a lot of people do that. All right. When we come back, we're gonna find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for the Tuesday edition of Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around. <laughs> 